Go Loud presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. In our bonus episode, we spoke to Professor Katrina Ryan, a consultant dermatologist who is both board certified in dermatology in the US and on the specialist register for dermatology in Ireland. We discussed the pressure to not age, shame around aging, and sometimes saying no to patients. Welcome, Katrina Ryan, to the Lennon Courtney podcast dermatologist to the stars may I say what's your official title are you a clinical dermatologist yeah clinical um, dermatologist and um, I'm an associate clinical professor at UCD hello baby (laughs) that sounds good good to see you Katrina I know you a few years myself as well and we thought we'd get a little bit of specialist um, feedback on our first uh, episode of this series which we've sensationally called Madonna's face but actually it was inspired by a conversation I saw online uh, and and then subsequent conversations I had with friends where I, I, I felt that the judgment that she was receiving was primarily misogynistic and ageist and she called it out. And I really was, I'm a fan of hers, obviously, and it goes with the territory. But, uh, and I have my own opinions about some of her work, but I have often said, you know, in a coffee shop with the, with the best friend, I don't care what you say, she looks amazing. She looks different, but she looks amazing. So first of all, what's your p- professional opinion of Madonna's face? <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I'm one of her biggest fans. I think she's a woman who's always owned it. And and, and I, th- I, I was delighted that she called all of that, that out too. Yes, her face, you know, it, it might need to my style. But I think, I, I think this is a huge deal lately with all of us. You know, there are, and actually, unfortunately, um, most of the time it, it, it's women um, judging women. I think it's great that women are taking ownership of, um, you know, the, the way they look, their confidence and whatever that takes. And I think there is women say, you know, there, there's both sides of, of the, uh, the coin. There's people saying that women are under too much pressure to, to you know, to, to look young, to, 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 to what not to. Um, and then there's there's women on the other side putting women down um, f- for doing all of these things as well. Um, and I think it's really, really important. I don't think Madonna is trying to look younger, by the way. Um, you know, everyone knows what age, you know, Madonna is. Madonna is trying to look the best she can for her age. You know, and actually this is something you guys w- would understand more than anything. You know, dressing well, you know, putting your best face forward, um, your best self forward and taking ownership of things. You know, I spent a long time in, in uh, Texas and women there in their 90s take better care of themselves than the, the women in their 20s. And, and it's not about trying to look young. It's trying to be the best, the best that they can be. And it's not even vanity. It's, it's, it's pride in their appearance. You I know? And, and I think that's a big part of it. On that, it, well, that's very interesting. So the problem people seem to have, you're right, I don't think she, she's not lying about her age ever. The problem people seem to have is that she's still trying to look sexually provocative. And I think people, what I've read online and the judgment I see is that how dare a woman in her 60s still try and look sexually attractive. And that's where I think the ageism piece comes in. Yeah. I, I, yeah and, and I completely agree with you. You know, and, and, I, and I, I, I love the sort of menopause movement that we have now. You know, why should turning 
40 or 50 or 60 mean that you, you're not a sexual being anymore. And actually, I think her embracing it, as she always has, she's always called things out of, ahead, of, ahead of her time. Absolutely. You know, men can be as sexual as they want to until they're 80, 90, you know, the, what you call it, play bodies, whatever else. And for someone, for a woman to own it and still be sexual and fe still feel her sexuality, I think it's really, really important. And, and that, that doesn't necessarily have to be just her appearance. And so when we were talking about this, we were talking about our own sort of philosophical approach, how we personally justified anything that we do or don't do. And what's what's our guardrails around this? You you as a as a uh, practitioner must have your own sort of philosophical guardrails. Is has there ever been, you know, work that clients have wanted or patients have wanted to do that you've thought, no, I can't do that because Absolutely. And, you know, I suppose that's like having, you know, a good hairdresser. Like my hairdresser always tells me I can't have a fringe. You know, they're, they're, and actually it's some of my, you know, my absolute favorite pa patients and some of my actually, some of my most successful patients, you know, female professionals who, who, who will turn up on my list um, and, and they're back for, for some more filler. And, and I'm like, you know, we, 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 you know, we can't, we can't do anymore. You know, right now you're looking great, but they're seeing this other line and this other line. And I suppose the thing is, there's that process of adaptation. And I think this happens to a lot of people. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you're thinking of certain celebrities right now as well. You see yourself very differently to the way other people see, see, your, see, see themselves. And there's a, a, a term I use now, pillow face. And, and once I tell my patients, listen, no, I'm not going to do this because, you know, and I'll explain our goals and, and the proportions and ratios we're going for and whatnot too. And you will develop pillow face if we go any further. They're so grateful. So, you know, I, I am their guardrails, I suppose. And a good practitioner is going to always be like that. You know, same as, as my great hairdresser. Is there a dopamine effect then around the progressive nature of work. So, you know, do you start to get a little bit addicted to the process? Absolutely. So, um, and actually they show this really good, go, they show this really well with um, uh, lips, you know, uh, and, and I suppose this is where a lot of this is coming from. So social media, we keep seeing images of overinflated lips or overinflated whatnot. And there was a study that looked at, um, you know, taking I don't know how many people, say it was 20 different people. And they were all given a pile of lips, you know, um, lips that went ranged from, from thin to, to, to much bigger. And, and they went through them and rated them as, you know, wh where they would grade them as in ideal, you know, ratios of lips. Um, and, and they all rated the lips, you know, and, you know, the, the majority um, rated the sort of middle ground as, you know, the ideal lip. And then they were shown lots and lots of images of large lips, and then they went back again and they, they, they did the same exercise again, you know, all scrambled, you know, the same images. And then their idea of a, an ideal lip, lip became much fuller. So we actually so, referenced this in the episode, uh, that very research, Katrina, and you okay. indeed. Um, so it, okay. it's that kind of shifting normality. Shifting normality. And it's bombarding the brain with images. And it's not necessarily of, you know, of, of, of yourself as much as what we are 
um, seeing all the time in social media. So so these sort of um, idealized or, or even more so, you know, supernatural sort of um, images of, of not just, you know, facial features, but also of, of body features. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that is what we are you're moving towards and what we, you know, what we're, we're um, striving to attain. And and that absolutely does happen. And that that is like my patient who comes in and we've done a little bit of filler and they're looking great and they start to see this line and, and, and this hollowing and whatnot too. And they keep wanting more and more and more, you know, and, and um, a good uh, dermatologist, plastic surgeon will tell you no. Um, and, and that's really important. And I wonder if more strong-willed or powerful celebrities aren't told no, you yeah. know, and that may, may be part of it. When is too young to start work? Do you have an opinion on that? Because we've lots of mums listen to us. Uh, okay, when is too young? Uh, well, it depends on what you're talking about. Um, you know, I get to ask this question a lot of, um, when it comes to Botox. When is too young to, or sorry, when it, when is the time to start Botox? Um, and that's very different for different people. For some people, that can be 22. You know, if somebody has a really deep, angry line here. It's often quite genetic and it's the way they use the facial um, features. Some people, it's not till they're 45. So it, it's all to do with not as much lines as facial expressions. Um, and that's something that I, I, I try and explain to my patients as well. We never chase lines. It's all about shapes and ratios. All of those things that the brain, you know, perceives as not aging as much as um, when you when you look at the aesthetics of beauty, you know, um, it, it's, you know, open eyes, a heart-shaped face, all of these things. And, and it's not, when, when these change, it's not as much aging as, as going away from these beautiful ratios that they've studied all the way through anthropology and what our brain perceives as, as beauty. So um, they're the things that start changing as, as we age and our, our, our bone density changes and our fat, our fat pads move and whatnot too. So wh- what I try to tell my patients is we're not chasing your lines and hollows. We have to get away from all of that. If you get rid of all of someone's lines, they look awful. They look less attractive and, and they often look angry and, and you know, pillow-faced and everything else too. So it's helping people understand what's changed um, and just bringing them back to themselves in the most natural way. What is pillow face? I don't know what that is. Oh, I, I think you do. And I don't want to go um, celebrity shaming here now, but it's people <laughs> who look like their faces have been pumped up like a balloon. Yeah. You know, this whole overfilled look. The cheek yeah. implants as well, no? Cheek implants can add to that. But for, for the most part now, um, you know, people really aren't getting cheek implants as much as, uh, you know, filler injections. Wow. Okay. Just getting over and over and over. I, I have a question for you. Can you ever see a day when there is a sort of a turnaround, when basically the prevalence of work becomes so much that there is a homogeneity that takes over and people start to move into a more naturalistic zone? Uh, absolutely. And, and I think in the same way as there's trends in fashion, there's, tre- there's trends in aesthetics too. I think we see it more with plastic surgery, actually. You know, if you think of there's times when having big breasts is, is, is the sought after thing. And then a much more slight figure, the same with bums, you know, big bums, small bums, all of that. And I think already, uh, Sonia, that's happened. Pretty much every patient who sits, sits on the chair about to get Botox for the first time says, please don't let me look frozen. You know, I, I don't want anyone to know I've done it. I want it to be really subtle, you know, and I explained that, you know, that, that would be the case with everyone. But there was an era of the frozen face and it was almost like carrying a Chanel handbag. Yeah. You know, people wanted to look like that. Um, so already I think we're seeing that shift, you know, not so much in the, in the, in the, uh, the younger women who are in their early 20s and whatnot with the big, the big lips. But again, 
that's like a fashion statement. That's yeah. like carrying your, say, Michael Kors bag. You know, so there is no, I have never in my, in my practice ever, because I cater for patients who are more sort of 35 to 70, I've never ever had somebody come in and say, can I have big lips, please? Ever. So, there, there, you know, it, it, there's trends not just with time, but also with age group. And, and as people get older, they really, really just want to look the best version of themselves. And that weird look, for the most part, is out. You know, I definitely saw it more in the States, not in Dallas where I practiced, but there was an L.A. look where everybody sort of looked a bit like a cat. And you see that over and over. But in Ireland, particularly people in mid-age, they do want to look natural. You know, they just want to look the best version of themselves and tweak things to where they still look like they did. And, and that's that's what a good practitioner will always do for you. You know, a, a great thing actually to do is is have a photo of you in your, say, mid-20s. Not that, not that we're ever trying to make look, somebody look like they're in their mid-20s. But see what has changed. And you're just tweaking that back again um, in, in a very natural way. It's like... I think, you know, um, now I don't mean it's the same, same sort of thing, but dyeing our hair has become something that's just part of the norm, you know, and I, and I think it, it's the same. We all go around pretending we don't have gray hair, but that, but, but that is a norm of society nowadays. And, and I think having subtle tweakments done will become the norm. And I agree, people don't want this strange homogenous look yeah, yeah 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 thank you so much for taking the time no, to talk to us you've really just helped us to validate all our crazy discussions <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah. Bob, thank, you. thank you see you guys bye bye